<laughs> All right. Okay. Hey, welcome back to the Quarter Three Podcast. This is Spencer Breedlove, your host, and I get to do this podcast with my lovely wife, Lisa. Hello, Lisa. Hello, everyone. And today we're coming at you live, actually recording. Not really live, because this is going to be recording when it's published. We're live. We're live mm-hmm. from Eastern Kentucky in the home of James and Hannah Bennett. Yes. Some of you may know Hannah Bennett as the former Hannah Ostrander from Statham, Georgia. Hannah was one of our students when we were in ministry in Winder. What are you looking at me like that for? Why are you staring at me? Because we're having a conversation. We have a new microphone. We have to be, we have to really, sh- we have to be close. really close. <laughs> it's awkward. It's very awkward. <laughs> It's very. We're having to share a mic, okay? Because Hannah and James have the other two. Interrupt you. I need to get a fourth mic. Now. Yeah, I mean, if this was a legit operation here, we'd have better equipment. We are definitely not social distancing. Come on, Mister Tech. I know. Anyway, so today, this week, we are going to interview James and Hannah and talk about their life, their ministry, their first year of marriage. They just celebrated number one back on september the 25th and so congratulations you guys thank you thank you you're welcome so but before we get into good conversation with james and hannah uh we have our questions for humans um section right now for the podcast brought to you brought to you brought to you by the court of three coaching which is strength training for your marriage or if you're gonna get married we can help you prepare for that as well and if you have any questions about what the court of three coaching is feel free to shoot us an email at the court of three at gmail.com we'd love to talk a little bit more about how we can help you strengthen your marriage okay now for the question today folks it's not really out of you just shut me out of the way <laughs> i need the microphone well take it i like the microphone so it's just a question I have that's burning in my mind after observing Spencer's behavior over the last um, few times that we've traveled places. So, James and Anna, I just have a question. When you travel, or is one of you a person that just likes to get there and one maybe takes their time a little more? Um, I'm definitely more of the travel Nazi. I'm the yeah. Let's get there. Yes. We stop for fuel and that's it, kind of person. My kind of guy. But he also knows that if he doesn't feed me, <laughs> he might be in trouble. So <laughs> it is uh, true. He has to feed the monster, yeah. <laughs> or she, co- or the monster comes out. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, no, this is all about potty breaks because. Spencer and I can take a two-hour trip literally to Greenville, South Carolina. I just put the pedal to the metal and go and use the bathroom when we get there. But Spencer has to make two stops in a two-hour trip. So let's see. How long did it take to get to Kentucky, hun? Six and a half hours. And folks, no, he didn't make six and a half trips to the bathroom, but he did make four. four 
Yes. I thought he was trying to stop in every state that we went through, but. We didn't go through. We did go through six states. We did. But only four times did I have to stop. But I had to yeah. go. But but here's the thing. It's because Spencer doesn't understand balance. He sucks down a big gulp and then is surprised that he has to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I'm like, of course, he drank a liter. You have to go to the bathroom. You just sip on your water, just a sip every now and then, and you won't have to stop. But we was, could get there faster. It's really thirsty. common sense. But I was... Uh, oh. Okay, Hannah. <laughs> but you were thirsty. I was thirsty. He had a milkshake. Hey. He had a jumbo drink. Then he had hot, hot tea. Hot tea. Usually it's coffee from Starbucks if he spots a Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry that I was such an inconvenience to you. <laughs> no, it's just funny. Why is that funny? We just get settled into the trip and all of a sudden I'm like, what are we doing? Why are we getting off? You're waking up from a nap. That's why you don't. That's why you don't have to go because you're always sleeping. Oh, well, thanks for letting me sleep. Yeah, you always sleeping. Okay. Okay. Do you all have potty breaks? He tries not to let me go. He tries with one. One. <laughs> One. We traveled sixteen hours no, to Nebraska. Okay. That's, yeah, true. that's not normal. Yeah, so yeah. let's let's pause for there okay. for just a second because some of the people just heard James talk and they're going, Good grief, where's that guy from? <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about where James is from. Mm-hmm. So James, tell us a little bit about you, where you're from, how you grew up, how you got to Kentucky. So I grew up in a small town in Nebraska, about a thousand people in Henderson. It's in the east central part of Nebraska. I have to define small because most people don't understand what small is. They think 10,000 or 15,000 is a small town, Mm -hmm. but uh, we grew up in a thousand thousand person town and that's not even the smallest there are out there so i grew up out there grew up in a large family of nine i'm the second oldest we were uh, homeschooled all the way through so came from that background a great christian family that really loved the lord and uh, grew up very sheltered that way as as well uh, being homeschooled and just um, spending uh, not really being out in the world so to speak which has uh, created a lot of fun things for uh, <laughs> for me as I've gone out in different places and experienced different cultures um, but that's kind of where I came that's kind of where I grew up and how I grew up um, ended up uh, going to Bible college um, for three years spent um, my roommate my freshman year was from California and uh, we graduated together, but he and his wife actually ended up in Kentucky before I did. And after Bible college, I spent three summers at a Christian camp where I learned to really love horse ministry and where I felt the call to horse ministry. And then two years after that, spent seven months in Montana doing an internship to learn how to train horses. And after that was done, the uh, my roommate heard that I was interested in doing. I can sit closer to the mic too to make the audio levels better. But uh, my roommate heard that I was interested in doing horse ministry, and so he contacted me and said, "Hey, 
you're uh, we heard you're interested in horse ministry we just lost our guy down here at camp nathaniel have you ever thought about coming to eastern kentucky and i was like no i have never <laughs> thought about coming to eastern kentucky <laughs> but i will now <laughs> and so after praying about it i really felt like this is where god was the way i could see god leading so i mm. ended up coming down here when was that that you came i came 2020 2020 man what all right remind me was that was that pre-covid 2020 it was that was the middle that was the heart of covid wow all right man so you had a thousand people in your hometown yep i had over a thousand people in my high school in your school i know man wow and you're one of nine kids yes and you're second oldest yep so what are the ranges of your of your brothers and sisters um age ranges my older oldest sister is she'll be turning 31 this year and then my youngest brother is will be turning 17 in march wow hmm. were they all here for the wedding yes everybody was here yes everybody was here for the wedding i think i remember meeting your younger brother your youngest brother yep sam yeah Y'all kind of... He's kind of like a mini James. Yeah, he's a mini James. Mini James is how he often gets described, yeah. (laughs) Yes, that's right. All right, Hannah. Your turn. Your turn. Um, Well, I grew up in Statham, Georgia, um, and lived uh, on a farm. Um, I have... Uh, three siblings and i'm the third of that bunch um we were kind of known everywhere you went as the ostranders um but yeah i grew up in a pretty small town um went to winder high school um, graduated from there and um went to to call falls college in northeast georgia um, and began to just really study uh, even more in depth who the lord was and how uh, we are to serve him and live for him. And so um, in my time there, I got connected uh, with a ministry here um, in Eastern Kentucky and started serving in the summers. So they recruited you when you were in college, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the only breakfast I ever went to when I was in college, uh, we sat down with the mission director and his wife, and they began to talk about the ministry. Um, And from there on, I kind of fell in love with the idea of the ministry that was happening here in Eastern Kentucky and wanted to know how I could be a part of it. You came during college every summer, right? Yeah. Three years. Three summers. Three out of the four years. Three Mm -hmm. summers you came and then felt the call to be here after you graduated. Yeah. So I graduated in May of 2016 from Tacoma Falls College, and then I moved here in September of that same year. Mm -hmm. Um, And I served with a local church and doing some jobs um, locally in the community then. Now, go back just a little bit right before you're going into college um it was during high school right that you really sensed just a call on your life to do ministry right was it was it high school that you sensed that or was it a little later yeah um i mean in high school i was definitely interested in it i wasn't sure exactly what that meant um 
many know, but Spencer and Lisa were a major part of my discipleship growing up. And so I had heard the terms of missions and serving, um, but it wasn't exactly until I became really tied into a biblical community that I understood um, the depth of that. And so I didn't really know what avenue that would have been in, um, but continued to pursue the Lord in that. And he opened the doors here for the ministry. Uh, so it was really cool to see how that worked out. All right. So now talk about how you guys connected. Obviously, it was through Camp Nathaniel and the mission here in eastern Kentucky. But talk about how all of that went down. Well, when COVID separated everybody else, it brought us together. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. So we uh, were hanging out in small groups of people and james was checking out the ministry here at camp um i had been serving here for a couple years at that point and uh he came over i think for dinner one night before that though they were definitely trying to set us up like what do you think about the new guy it was really funny what did you think um well i hadn't really met him at that point oh okay but being a cowboy that helps. Sure. That yeah. helped for sure. Yeah. So they had a lot of good things to say about him, about his maturity and that kind of stuff. But uh, we didn't really, we weren't really able to meet quite yet. It was a couple of days later um, that we had, I guess, our first conversation and really sat down at the table and just continued to talk about um, what it looked like to walk in the spirit and just talking about scripture. And I think that was the first notice of man this guy really loves the lord um and we noticed too that after a, a little while people started leaving the table and then they're all like watching through the yeah. windows like what's going on and so uh then i walked outside and i got the google googly eyes like what is going on I'm like, it's one conversation about the lord <laughs> i guess we're getting married now folks <laughs> but no we spent the summer serving together then and yeah so that's Pretty much how we met. We first first time that I that we met would have been on a Wednesday evening. Josh invited mm. me and another couple that was here to serve in the barn that summer, and we were all looking at taking over the horse ministry uh, over to their dinner uh, over to their house. And Hannah at the time was living over there mm. by them, and so she came up. So that was when we met, and then it was that Sunday the following Sunday after church that we were all over there for dinner, that we had a nice long talk and we were just talking about Galatians and just Galatians five sixteen and about what walking in the spirit really looks like. And when we got done with that conversation, at least for me, I was like, wow, this is a girl that finally gets it, like actually understands what it is to walk in the spirit. And so. That's neat. Yeah. So we spent the summer serving alongside each other and, uh, we found out we were at least good partners in Cornhole, so I think we went undefeated that summer hey. in, in Cornhole and uh, a spent a lot of time together while um, we were serving alongside. And the camp looked a little bit differently because of COVID, and so we got more time in the afternoons and evenings to kind of get to know each other um, throughout that time. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about why you had a little bit more time in the evenings because how camp looked. Why why is that? What happened? Well, well, with COVID, with COVID happening there, rather than being able to run 
uh, week-long camps, overnight camps like you normally would. We had to adjust the ministry in order to fit the uh, protocols, to fit what was going on at the time. So we ended up only running day camps for the age group. So kids would get here about eight o'clock in the morning and then they'd be gone by four. Mm -hmm. And so then you'd have the rest of the evening to just... You'd eat supper, and then the rest of the evening was just free time till the next next day. And right. but they wanted everyone to kind of you were still tr- kind of staying in your own collected family groups at the time. So we just were all in the same family group and just hung out and mm-hmm. uh, being being people at the mission where we were both where we were serving um, that were single, but both in their um, upper twenties rather than a bunch of high schoolers or early college, college. age. Mm-hmm. We connected there too, as well, just because there was a maturity difference and. Yeah. Some of the other staffers is what you're talking yep. about. Yeah. That were here because we were able to come that summer. We came for. Yeah. I think I, I was speaking that year mm-hmm. at that camp mm-hmm. and um, that, so that was your first summer. Mm-hmm. That would have been your fourth summer uh, since moving here no fifth, at least fifth, fifth. Summer, yeah. fifth summer yeah at least fifth okay um so when did y'all know like when did you like uh like are y'all met and then it's like all right what next so talk about the progression of the relationship well, he was a hard one to read, um, but because of camp policy with me being full time, we wanted to make sure that we kept it uh, professional as far as wanted to abide by the rules. And that was not dating throughout the summer. Um, so we just tried to use the opportunities to spend time to- together and uh, just grow in each other's friendship. Um I mean, I thought he was cute for sure. By the way, I remember we were uh, having church services at our pastor's house because our bridge got washed away from yeah. one of the floods. And uh, he was helping me set up PowerPoint. So we had to run to the church. And I had told my friend Brittany about him. And so I like faked and snapped a photo of him because she wanted to see a picture. So I like <laughs> took a picture. I finally showed him that picture. Like. Not long ago. Like about two months ago. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, but yeah, we just spent time together. Um, We were always with other people, so it was really a casual environment to get to know each other. Um, Not a a lot of pressure. Um, But yeah, we just waited to see how the end of the summer came about. So I was really curious to see where he was because he didn't really let me know i kind of could see little things for sure as far as like the conversation and stuff but at the end of the summer um a group of people went to steak and shake and he didn't invite me i got really mad i was like what is going on i thought like maybe he'd like me and this is the end of the summer so you know we can start talking that way (laughs) and so he came over afterwards to the feltner house where i was hanging out at and i was like um a little frustrated and he could tell <laughs> but that's uh started the conversation of like where yeah. we were at and uh where he was at and where i was at as far as 
liking each other and mm-hmm. wanting to continue Maybe pursuing a relationship. And that was post-summer? That was after in, that yeah. was, end, of, end summer. of summer? No more camp? We still had one more week of camp, camp to go at that point. Okay. So it was, I had come down to look at the ministry as coming here full time. So I wanted to keep it strictly on, uh, mm-hmm. is God calling me to mm-hmm. here? And I was trying, for me, a lot of it that would have made it hard for her to read was I was trying to put that in one box and then the ministry over here in another box so that I could, I wanted to make sure that when, that if I joined the mission, it was because I felt the call yes. to the ministry, to the mission, not because, hey, there's a girl over here that sparks right. my interest. Right. And so that's, that's what really during the summer i could tell there was interest there Uh and there and i was interested back but i was like that's not what i'm here for so i tried to keep it Mm -hmm. bottled down so to speak as best as he could just so not to inter trying to yeah trying to not interfere with as much as possible to make sure that hey this is what god's calling me to you a strong man you a strong (laughs) and that's all i got to say Man, I don't know if I could have been that strong, but that was pretty strong. Because part of part of my thinking with it and just the way that we've gone is at this point, we're just interested in each other. We haven't actually hadn't started dating. You don't right. know where things are going to go. It right. may if you start dating, it may work out. We may get to know each other and realize, you know what? We can serve well alongside ministry here together, but we're not going to make a good mm-hmm. couple. And so if you came here because of the girl and then you don't get the girl, that kind of puts you in a really bad mm-hmm. spot. And so for me, I really wanted to make sure that I was coming here because God wanted me here. I admire that. Yeah, and I definitely respected him a lot sure. for that and not not leaving me to like have to figure things out or anything. and when the time was appropriate, having that conversation as he knew that the Lord was really calling him to the ministry because he knew that the Lord had called me here and that I was serving here. And so he really respected that um, and honored that in our the beginning of our friendship slash yep. early, early, early non-relationship yet. <laughs> so you met in June of 2020. You started having a little bit more serious conversations towards the end of the summer and then and then what it's like all right what next what happened after that so at the end of at the end of summer after the after our contract had run out and after the last week of camp we decided to start dating officially at this point i had really wrestled in my own heart and knew like okay god's calling me here to the ministry i'd picked up my full-time application and already filled mm-hmm. it out and put it mm-hmm. put it in so then it really felt more like we i felt like i could take that next step could make that next step because i definitely didn't want to get her hopes up in a in a relationship and then be like well sorry god ain't calling me here so mm-hmm. if you want you if you come. yeah you either got to come with me or mm-hmm. And so that's where we ended up at the end of July, taking it uh, to the next level. Right. And then uh, how how long did you stay in town or did you head back to Nebraska? I headed back to Nebraska about three days after we started dating. 
Ouch. That's a long way. Long, long distance. Oh, and it got worse than that because it also was the, I I left the day before her birthday. Yeah. Oh. He was like, ouch. Okay. And and it i and had went I, to alaska yeah for I ended like up, a week yeah so, so we had it was even harder communication because you had a time difference and yeah so Ooh. the reason i had to leave that day was in order to get back to pack my bags to fly out for alaska so i was home for basically a day packed my bags uh-huh. and then got on a plane and went to alaska to visit my brother and that was planned and, yes. and that was planned mm-hmm. pre-summer mm-hmm. before any of this right. was in right. place and then when did you ask her to marry her marry you um it was december 19th of 2020 of 2020 because you were back in nebraska and you were raising support um yeah so i was officially accepted Mm -hmm. in august Mm -hmm. and then we went through srs Mm -hmm. boot camp Uh in september Mm-hmm. But I, in between that time while I was waiting to do the boot camp and actually waiting to really start raising support, I, I, I worked for a guy that had worked in high school and pre-college. So I just helped him finish the harvest season, put in one harvest season because they need the extra help during that time. And they, this got, these people had really supported me and... Mm-hmm. Uh, help me out through a lot and they're the kind of people that right now I know if something seriously happened I needed their help I could call them and they would drop what they're doing and That's be great. here to help yeah, it's great so to they're that kind of, kind of they're those kind of people so I felt with all the help they had done for me over the years I could do that to help them through that right. harvest season right and so we were we were dating long distance doing zoom calls and (laughs) wow and facetiming and tractors and (laughs) anytime we could talk anytime anytime so wow uh you got engaged in december of 2020 so six months after y'all first met you're engaged then the new year hits and then when do you come back here um, I got here full time in February. So I started raising support um the uh, middle of November and was done raising support at the end of February and was here at the, wow. at the end of February. So basically December, January, February. So 90 days you were funded and coming on staff. Yep. And we, and we took about two to three weeks off over the Christmas New Year's. Wow. That boot camp support raising solutions is pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. It's been a game changer for y'all. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Um, so uh, you come back in February, and then it's, uh, what, seven months later, and you have a, a wedding. Yep. We got married in uh, September September 25th. Right wow. here on the property. Yep. Yep. Right here on camp. It's beautiful. It was, it was a great time. That's cool. We had good, we had a good MC. Yes. He, he was all right. He, he could have been a little better. Okay. Okay. He could have been a little better. Baby B. He should have yeah. rapped. No. <laughs> oh. oh. Yeah, that was, that was a, that was a beautiful day. It, it certainly was. was. It was definitely not about the MC. That's for sure. So, but before we jump more into the marriage part, let's go and talk a little bit about your ministry and what 
you guys are doing here at Camp Nathaniel. Um, so talk about Camp Nathaniel and what it is that uh, you guys do to serve the community. Yeah, so Camp Nathaniel is um, an organization that began in 1932, um, and it is really faceted to stretch across generational gaps uh, to reach people for the gospel. And I love that aspect of our ministry that we not only have events for the younger children, but also all the way up to our senior citizens. And so um, there's a lot of different aspects of the ministry here that we serve in. Um, James serves as the equine director um, here at camp. So he's over all of um all of the horses and taking care of that. Um, we did start a horsemanship ministry um, shortly after we got married. And um, I mean, shortly, like the week after our honeymoon. <laughs> immediately. Yeah, immediately after. Yeah. Um, and so we serve in that ministry together. I also help with our marketing and graphic design here. Um, Which you do an amazing job. Really good at that. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, and then I am the chairman of our women's ministry. And uh, the the wonderful thing about camp is you get to wear so many different hats. And so you learn different skills and you grow in your abilities all while being able to serve the Lord and teach people about Jesus. And so the camp has been um, really a, a huge place in the community that we've been able to just share with people um, and build relationships. And so focusing in on everything from the younger kids to adult and families, and then also reaching out to our senior citizens. Um, so it's it's neat to see how it all encompasses for the gospel, for the glory of Christ. Well, it's a beautiful campus. Mm -hmm. This is our, is this? Third? No, well, the fourth. Yeah. This would be the fourth time that we've been up yeah. here. We so two here. times for camp, one time for the wedding, and then one time this week, um, this weekend to come see you guys and check on you. And um, it's just a beautiful campground. And it's a special place. It is a special place. And to see. You pull in, you're here on the grounds. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's a really, really special place. And um, so I, with, the, with the length of the ministry, the history of the ministry, and uh, and with you being here, what? You've been coming here for 10 years? Almost 10 Almost years. Almost 10 years. Yeah. Um, and then being living here since 2016, I know you've gone through some hard things here on at camp. Some of those hard things have been personal. Um, but what are some of those hard things that that you've been through, Hannah? And what have you seen? god do and what have you learned how have you grown through that mm -hmm. yeah well i mean we see in scripture that it says count it all joy right and so when you face various trials and so i think like ministry is an incredible blessing and i think if you talked to anyone in ministry they would be able to talk about um, the joys and triumphs of ministry and also the hard times and so um, in the past uh, couple of years uh, we have experienced um, two different floods um, one of them was a smaller localized flooding um, where i was living at the time and then 
just recently at the end of July, the, our area experienced flooding that they're calling um, a thousand year flood. And so um, we were seeing uh, water levels unseen and unprecedented for the area. Um, and they stopped measuring from what we've heard about 21 feet above the uh, normal water line. And so some of those things um, have been hard things in the ministry, um, but they have challenged me so much in my faith and grown me. And, and just a couple of weeks ago, I was reading, I've been reading through um, the Psalms and I came across Psalm 29. And throughout that whole Psalm, it's talking about, you know, the power and the majesty of, of our God. And you get to Psalm um, like verses 10 and 11, and it says, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. He sits as king forever. And it's been so challenging for me to remember about who really is king forever and who's in control of all of these things. And we've seen a devastating time in our community here over the last couple of months, um, I would say, and uh, friends who are hurting and um, people who have lost loved ones and people who've lost the security of their homes and the things in their homes and who are displaced. Um, but the Lord has continued to teach me that he is the constant and he is he is faithful and he is steady um i've gone through some of my own personal health issues um in the last couple of years of serving here as well and it's just been a reminder too of god's community how they come alongside you how they're faithful to pray um, how they're faithful to walk with you and you know when we read in scripture that god is our refuge that means something um and it means so much more than even my own words could say um, because that's that's the truth of who he is and so seeing him work in the lives in my life my husband's life and the lives of others as we've been able to reach out and serve our community has been the biggest blessing to me because it has challenged me my faith it's reminded me that he truly is king forever and his kingship is is just truly amazing and if we will um believe in that if we'll trust in that we'll walk obediently in that um he continues to bless us and our ministry here can bless the ministry um, and just allow us opportunities to reach out to our neighbors all for his glory and so even in the midst of, of trials we've seen him just grow our faith and challenge us in so many ways we've watched you grow yeah over the years which has been really special for us mm -hmm. yeah it has I been use you and and yeah challenge you and mature you in your faith yeah it has been pretty special watching you grow and um get stronger you're tough you're a tough cookie and and i know that by you being up here i know it's just been something that you've grown by leaps and bounds and you know, walking the property this afternoon and talking through what you guys saw from the flood back in July. It's really hard to, for me, it was really hard to fathom um, exactly what you saw in a picture. You know, they say a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, you needed a lot more pictures uh, to really understand the the devastation uh, that happened back in July. And 
you know, you guys as a ministry um, have been doing a, a lot of work. And now the camp is serving really kind of as a place for displaced families. Mm -hmm. But it's also serving as a place to house people that are from out of state that are working. Is that right? Contractors. Yeah. Contractors. We also, um, we also have a distribution center on campus. And so really a bit, a big hub for just resources. And that's just our heart that we would use that to share, share Christ with our neighbors and that we would love on them in this time. And, um, yeah, it's been, it's been such an interesting process of seeing the Lord, like take what at first was, you know, obviously devastating and is still devastating to our community, um, but use it for his good and his glory and that we would be able to, to share his gospel through it. Mm. Mm. James, you got any thoughts on that? Not, not, I mean, she's, generally speaks really well and did it again she, she does th there's a reason she talks more than i do and it's because she can explain things better than i can well, so but james you can explain i want you to tell us about as um you know the director she said um for the with the horses and just this ministry that you started right after your honeymoon and the vision that you guys have for that yeah, so the ministry we started right after our honeymoon, it was two weeks after our honeymoon, uh, we started, and it's called Trails to Truth, and it's a biblical horsemanship ministry. So what we are what we are doing is we are taking we are taking kids and we're teaching them everything there is to know about horses and riding, um, but from a biblical perspective. So the horse training that I have learned to do that I have done um, is is what we call biblical horsemanship is kind of the name that we've given it. And essentially it is, is we take we take how God deals with man in scripture and we take how he is sovereign in the way he draws man to himself. And we take the principles of those relationships of a biblical relationship and we apply that to the horse and so essentially i try to act as god to the horse and that's that's what it is i'm terrible at it because i'm flawed god is not flawed <laughs> so i don't so i'm not comparing myself right. to god in sure. that manner it's role play it's role playing it's a way of i it's a way for me to demonstrate mm -hmm. to people that are watching but also to the horse that hey there's a relationship here that's built on trust that's built mm -hmm. on me being a trustworthy leader um biblical horsemanship is the definition we use for it here um just to give a little nugget here is biblical horsemanship is to develop willingness through a relationship with a trustworthy leader that is what that is what we that is how we define biblical horsemanship we're develop willingness with the horse we i don't want the horse to just do what i'm asking because he's afraid mm. of me or afraid of consequences right. if he doesn't it's not a fear driven thing but i want him to willingly take my thoughts take my will and do what i'm asking him because he knows that what i'm asking for him asking is actually what is best for him and that's that's what we see god god's asking us to follow him because if we follow him that is what is 
best for us. So they, we're taking those principles and we're using a horse to point kids back to those principles. The horse is just the tool that gets kids here. Kids love to ride horses. People love horses. Mm -hmm. It draws them in. And then once you're drawn in, I get to share Christ with you. I get to, we get, we get to teach kids about who God is and the nature of what a true relationship with him looks like. So what ages are participating right now with this Trails for Truth? Yeah, so we run the program for sixth grade through 12th grade, um, and uh, we run it two days a week for two hours each. And both of those include um, at least a 20-minute Bible study. Mm. And so we'll be focusing on teaching the truth about Jesus and also looking for discipleship opportunities with the youth that are participating with us. And so... Um, um, we also spend a lot of the time doing um, like foundational work, so teaching how to groom, how to saddle, all of the necessities of a horse as well as riding. So we want to continue to progress them in their riding skills, teaching them how to walk and trot. Um, we've begun teaching about um, barrels, how to do barrel patterns and how to do some pole bending stuff. And so it's become a really great opportunity to teach kids um about jesus first because that's what that's what we're about that's why why we exist why we're doing what we are doing um and then to teach them about horses and so uh, we focus in on instill instilling them with God's truth. We want them to understand um, what it, who it is that Jesus is and what he's done for them. Um, we equip them with the knowledge um, that they have, that we are teaching them with biblical horsemanship, and then we're leading them. We're teaching them how to be leaders. We want them to continue in the program um, as leaders that will teach first God's truth and then second horsemanship skills. That's correct. So... Go back to what just took place back in July with the flood and how how has that flood impacted y'all's ministry with the biblical horsemanship ministry? Yeah, so the original the original plan pre flood <laughs> it, it sounds it, it sounds weird to say pre flood, right. but really we have to define things that way here yeah. anymore is pre flood we were supposed to start our horsemanship October fourth um because of the flood um all our fences are currently gone here on campus so we are grateful though to be able to um start it back up we just got the green light to go ahead and we're planning to start it um november 1st which is a tuesday and so we are able to go it but the flood has affected us in that our we're going to have to shift the shift the way we do some things just because of the damage done to facilities. And then also it's taken about a month of our time away from us this semester. Mm -hmm. So what are some things that, that you need? I mean, are there, what do you need as far as to get that up and running again, what you're talking about in that area, that space where the fences were and whatnot? Yeah, so um, the need that we have to do to get things um, back up and going is 
Um, we got to get some. We got to get a small arena built first before November first. We've got the supplies to do that. We are waiting on the other supplies. We've got the fence post. We're waiting on the wire that we're gonna go back in. But once the wire gets here and we get a little grading done in some of the pastures, even within this flood with the damage that is done, it's also been a blessing because it's taken. We've been desiring for. The last year since we did the inaugural program we understood we came to the conclusion that if we wanted to grow in numbers last year we had about seven kids so if we want to grow in numbers which we'd like to be able to run about 15 to 20 kids we were going to need a bigger arena mm -hmm. but that was not we were did we're not in a place that we could put that in yet but now that the fence has all been destroyed by the flood we're like well if we're gonna put it back in we yeah. might as well just do it the way we want it this time right. so mm -hmm. and and that's some of the faithfulness of god even in the flood that you see that there's for us there's a facility's ability to mm -hmm. put in that arena uh, but we also but we have to wait on some of the grading and yep. still a couple of some, some supplies that have to come in. And then um, we've got to get a tack room uh, rebuilt and put back together. That took water damage during the flood as well. And the horses are not staying here at camp right now. Uh, no, they are not. We are, we have been blessed um, just this past January to get a pasture on top of a mountain. And we were able to, so that's where we got all the horses mm -hmm. currently held. That's awesome. So it sounds like you've got the right materials coming. Now it sounds like you may need some like help physically, physical labor, manpower. people, manpower. Yep. Once, once the, once the supplies all get here and we get the grading done, then it's going to be a lot of manpower. We've got, I've ordered, I ordered our uh, 350 uh, round posts that will have to be dug and sunk into the ground just in order to put all our fence back in place. So that kind of gives you mm. a picture of how much fencing has to be done. A lot of fencing, <laughs> a lot of wow. fencing, a lot of grading. Wow. Man. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing about your ministry piece and uh, and what you guys are doing. It's uh, it's really cool, and I hope that if people are listening uh, listening through through this as they're listening through this, that they'll be like, "Hey, I wonder if I could go and help." Um, and uh, we'll give that information on contact and that stuff later on in just a minute. But yes, uh, physical help is going to be appreciated along those lines so um so all right well let's go back to the marriage part all right you just celebrated number one <laughs> first anniversary congratulations on that thanks thank you um what has been the hardest thing in your first year of marriage that you guys have experienced and it could be the flood it could be something else. I don't know. What would be the hardest thing in your first year? I I would have to say that I think the hardest thing, at least for myself, has not been the physical um, circumstances like the flood or even starting the ministry together. But really, for me, really learning what it is to be 
a godly husband, what it is to um, uh, come into an understanding that my spiritual walk is not my own anymore. There is a part of that individual walk still with God that I have to maintain, but also that her spiritual health plays into my spiritual health. And if I am not taking care of her well and helping to lead her well, that, that actually ends up hurting me. There is no longer this, there is no longer this, well, I'm walking with the Lord. So what's your problem? Right. Yeah. It, it's my problem if she, mm. she's not walking the Lord. That's partly my problem if I'm not doing my part to help lead her in there. And that's something that I would say even within the last month has really, mm. like, to me, really come to a head where, like, some of these struggles that have come, being able to put a finger on and being like, well, that's kind of where my error in my thinking is mm. coming that is causing some of these issues i'd say that for me that's been uh probably about the the hardest thing just trying to learn what it is to walk now together in christ yeah that's a great point because in the scripture um it talks about how christ will present the church as pure and holy and and in that uh in that scripture it is talking about our roles as husbands and how we are to care for and to present our wives and to help them uh, towards um, spiritual maturity, holiness, purity, all of those things. That's, and that's a, that's a weight on us as men, as husbands to really lead our, lead our wives uh, spiritually. Um, that's a, that's a heavy responsibility, uh, one not to be taken lightly. And a lot of, a lot of men don't get that. They don't understand that. And they do have it where I'm going to take care of myself spiritually. And then they just leave it up to their wives to take care of themselves spiritually. And they don't, they don't connect those dots. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great point. What about you, Hannah? What would you say in this first year of marriage is something that maybe you needed to struggle through and something you learned? Well, I was going to say that the hardest part is the amount of clothes that a cowboy goes through in a week. But... Oh, wow. <laughs> it can't be more than an FCA person. That, I bet it can. Uh, changes four times well, a day. hopefully Spencer's not rolling around in horse manure, but no. maybe he is. Say, the, right. The cowboy clothes are jeans yeah, and like shirts. These are like athletic yeah. clothes. Yeah. But no, I mean, um, yeah, I think just learning on the opposite side of that like what it means to be a godly wife and what it means to support and respect my husband and to follow in his leading and we were both single for a couple years Mm -hmm. multiple years um and lived single lives and so we became independent on our own and so learning like what that looks like to depend on him and to walk in his leadership as the spiritual leader of our house um has been like something that is contrary to my original like nature (laughs) for sure (laughs) in my selfishness and that kind of thing (laughs) but i think it's been it's been something that's really taught me a lot um And I think just walking through 
just the different things that we have in the last year mm-hmm. um, has grown us so much together. Mm-hmm. And so those hard things of learning how to communicate or, you know, he's from, he's a Midwest boy and I grew up, you know, deep South girl. And so even just like little cultural things or the way that you say things or like, Oh, tell the story. You got to tell the story about. Yeah, they shared this with us today. You got to tell the story about. Of not not, not communicating, but it was just a matter of understanding what like that knocking meant the horse in the your, head. your culture. Yeah. yeah you so, got to tell the story. <laughs> so James uh, told me I was having trouble getting a bridle on one of the horses. And uh, I was really struggling, which I'm short. So to try to get to the top of the horse's head is always a struggle for me. Um, My husband is six, three. (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, so he told me. So, so yeah, just a little context here to uh, kind of paint a word picture for you. When you go to put a bridle on a horse, you take your right hand and you stick it up over the horse's head in between the um, ears and you hold the top of the head still there and then you take the left hand and you guide the bit up into the into the mouth of the horse and that horse kept throwing its head up and down so that's kind of where the hands placements were um, and that's how you put them right on so that gives you context a little bit for the next part of the story yeah so he told me to to knock (laughs) <laughs> to knock on the horse's head and um so knock what him in the head yeah knock him in the head to knock him in not the head. knock on the horse's yeah. head but knock, knock him, in the, him head. in the head and so what he meant was that i would just knock him on his head to get his attention um but that was a cultural uh slash rookie mistake within the horse world um that i because what did actually do, James? Yeah, so like when I said knock him in the head, what I was envisioning is as the horse's head comes up, you just uh-huh. take your knuckles and rub knock on, down yeah, up, right on top of the top of the head, like you would a little bit, like you do on a door, <laughs> just to as a mental picture of uh-huh. hey, when you throw your head up, you run into something. There's something up here uh-huh. for you to run into. But when she did it, but when I said that immediately the next the time that the horse me. threw the head up she hauled off and just slugged him in the face okay and, that, I, and I was standing there that sounds way worse when you say I, I absolutely <laughs> slugged him in the face I did not I just tap I tapped no, him in the that's face right. no animals were harmed no no animals no, it sounds yeah. really bad when you say it's, that it sounds that was, bad the horse was not injured it was not a <laughs> it wasn't that harsh oh. but I looked at it and I went in my mind when I saw that I was like yep I did not explain that very well. <laughs> no, you explained it really you well. Me literally. Yeah, I just took him literally. literally. I did not I did not tell her exactly what to do. That, Listen, that's that's not tell- her fault. That's my fault. I told her to knock him in the head and he <laughs> she knocked him in the head. I did not tell her how to knock him in the oh. head. Exactly. That's my problem, not hers. Yeah. And so when you tell a southerner to knock somebody in the head, yeah. Somebody's going to walk away with a dotted eye. Whatever was in our hands. It, yeah. yeah. This sounds really out. bad. I'm gonna I be love looking, animals. I'm going to be looking for I would never harm an animal. We know. We know. <laughs> yes. But yeah, you learn those things in marriage, mm-hmm. how you talk to each other, what's what's the best way to communicate with each other. And uh, yeah, we've definitely seen that. We're both stubborn, so 
Um, yeah. uh, just, we don't know anything about that. Just another phrase that <laughs> we've learned not to use. Like I like to say, don't you know, a lot as just kind of a finishing thing. Okay. And it drives her up a wall because she feels like I'm calling like her Like he's asking me a question. Asking asking a question. To, like yeah. he'll be like, you're beautiful, don't you know? And I'm like, well, what am I supposed to say? Yeah, like that sounds. Well, yeah, say that yeah. Sounds like arrogant. Apple, like, yeah. yeah, I am. I like, am. This a question? No. Is that awkward? Yeah. But he question? just means it as like, hey, I really mean this, and so we figured out like that. There you go. He thought I was. I thought he was asking me to like respond to him, and no. I always felt weird. Like I don't know what to say back to that but, but he would it, yeah it, but he really wasn't asking a question he was just confirming that he really thought that i was beautiful he was saying amen yeah yep pretty much. he's pretty much saying amen way. yeah in his midwestern way love yeah. it <laughs> love it all right so what advice would you you, you brought up about you know getting a little Y'all were single, mm -hmm. you know. You had some both of you for kind of setting your ways there for a little while. What advice would you give to young unmarried couples or engaged couples? I would say pursue Christ first. Mm. Like, don't be looking at a someone just to find a spouse, but truly like love the lord and study his word and trust that the lord knows what's best for you and he's going to bring that person into your life when he has that timing and i think about with james i mean i you know i was in ministry and yeah he brought james in the perfect timing in ministry for me and we i mean he is such a man of integrity and character and i would have never like been able to put together all of the aspects of him as a man and said like oh i want to pick that one kind of thing um but the lord worked those things out and so my challenge or advice to to young unmarrieds or engaged couples is just love the lord first like love him truly with all of your heart with all of your mind and and know that his goodness and his kindness to you is there and it may not look like the exact thing that you're looking for or seeking after um but it really like challenges me because i know that the lord had to teach me a lot until like i got to that point i was so glad because i look back at different like selfish decisions i've made or different things that i've just made in stubbornness and i've realized how much the lord has taught me in my own sin and the weight of that but in light of that just the goodness of god and how he will truly continue to work in your life if you're walking obediently and searching for him and so don't don't get caught up by what the world will tell you of like you've got to be married by this and you've got to pursue all of these things like truly follow who it is that christ is and learn his character and study his word and root yourself in that place um and put your trust there yeah so yeah pretty much the same thing um the the way i've always the way i've heard it growing up and it's always kind of stuck with me is pursue God, <laughs> seek him. And if you see someone else 
running the same direction as God's calling you, introduce yourself. So that, and that's kind of, kind of that idea of how we met is I was pursuing God. She was pursuing God. We realized that God was calling us both to the same ministry, introduced ourselves and God called us together into marriage. And just that idea of if you are young and unmarried, if you are at a stage where you know, Hey, you know what? I'm not ready to be married yet. Don't be looking then you don't, this kind of gets a, might step on some people's toes a little bit, but I'm very much, very much into, if you're not ready to be married, then there's no need to date someone. There's no need to be pursuing relationships. If you're not in a position Mm -hmm. that you feel ready to get married and so really just echoing what she said just pursue god work develop those skill sets develop those things that will make a good godly partner while you're waiting and in the right timing if you're when you're pursuing god he will bring the spouse to you that's then, good advice. And yeah, and then for engaged couples, I mean, I would say for myself, just that really continue to pursue God well, but really focus, look at it more kind of like the Jews did when when they were betrothed to each other. Once they got to that stage, you had to get a certificate of divorce mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. even break off an break engage, engagement. engagement. Yeah. And really, at That's that true. point, you need to change your mindset that even though we are not married legally, mm-hmm. I'm committed to this other person mm-hmm. to see it through from that point. That's a good word. Yeah. That's a good word. I hadn't really ever thought about that. Yeah. I mean, it's in the Christmas story of Jesus every year. Right. I never really thought about that. Yeah, that's a good word. Okay, so um, after having completed your first year of a marital bliss, what um, could you share that, that the two of you um, do to work at your marriage? To work on your marriage, your relationship, what do y'all do? I think I think just the biggest thing that you have to do is the same same thing for everybody. <laughs> for relationships really is is if you're not connected with God first and you're not connecting on that spiritual realm first, everything else is going to fall apart. You're not you may connect well emotionally Mm -hmm. you may connect connect well physically you may connect well just being around and enjoy being around each other but if you're not connecting there there's always going to be you're on your your foundations on sand and all it takes is one event and half the foundation crumbles away And so really to work on your marriage as the way we see it in the Bible is that we have to both be growing closer together in Christ. And as we grow together in Christ, he is going to correct the things that we need to correct. Yeah, I think practically we've been trying to implement a few things lately that would help 
that would help just direct our eyes more towards Christ and give us more time. And so um, we're trying to do things as far as like, you know, not being on technology or watching TV late. And like we have a certain time that we try to stop those things by or um, just doing things that would allow for conversation rather than just kind of coasting. I like that. Um, and so um, whatever that may mean for that day, um, whether it's going on a horseback ride or whether it's just going somewhere and doing a task, making sure we're intentional about conversation um, and checking in where we're, where each other is at. And so just kind of trying to implement some practical steps so that we can make sure that we're getting there on the spiritual level, that we're connecting with each other there, um, that we're having time in the word and that we're being challenged both individually and together with the Lord. Yeah, that goes back to what um, mine and Lisa's life verse is and what this podcast is named after based on Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. And it talks about where uh two are better than one and the quarter of three strands is not easily broken what you guys are talking about are the three strands in a in the relationship you have yourselves each of you being a strand and then you have the strand of christ which is the common thread that binds us together that really creates the uh the strength in the marriage and that cord of three is not easily broken. And I think when when couples understand that their lives and their walk with the Lord um, is then interwoven individually and as a couple with the Lord, that's a marriage that is built to last and you can withstand any floods that come your way you can withstand any adversity whatever hard happens in life you can withstand it and when couples uh do not have that common thread that strengthens their marriage um they're much more susceptible to uh that marriage breaking um so what you guys just said is a great picture uh and great counsel uh for for anybody in their in their marriage or pre-marriage or even if they're considering marriage for them to understand that who they are spiritually is where their identity is found and determined that their identity is not in the marriage their identity is not that i'm lisa's husband or lisa is uh or that lisa is my wife her identity and my identity is in christ first and then our marriage uh is woven together together in him so that's really really good stuff you guys though thank you for sharing Yes. All right. So as we wrap it up, we've mentioned a few um, needs specifically with the horsemanship ministry. But um, what are some other needs that you guys have here? Yeah, so um, our ministry itself and all of our missionaries, so James and I 
included in that um, are all faith-based. And so we all are required to raise our own financial support. Um, and the ministry is also faith-based. So it runs off the donations of, of God's people. And so, of course, that always remains a need. Um, we've seen God provide in many, many ways. But as we have gotten married, you know, that's always a need um, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, another need that we see is through a disaster relief um, that we are doing so through uh, the flood efforts that we are serving and meeting in the needs of Eastern Kentucky. So we have um, a place on our website that you can go to and give. So it's on our give page um, at campnathaniel.org. And you can go down to the drop down down box that says disaster, or it says flood relief, I'm sorry. Um, And you can give there to help with the efforts here in Eastern Kentucky. And then, of course, just... uh, being in prayer for us. We Mm -hmm. certainly recognize that it's through the prayer of God's people um, that we are encouraged, that we are comforted and strengthened. And so we would love to partner with you guys in prayer. If you guys would like to find out more information, we can certainly give that. So where would they need to contact you? Um, Yeah, they can contact me. Um, uh, I'm on uh, Facebook at Hannah Bennett. Um, And so they can contact me there. Um, We can also get in contact with us through our website at campnathaniel.org. We have a staff page that lists um, our emails and then the phone number for Camp Nathaniel. Um, And we're here throughout the week uh, serving. And so they can get in touch with us on those avenues. Any Instagram? Yeah, I have Instagram. You can search me at Hannah Bennett as well. All right. And Camp Nathaniel also has Instagram too, right? Yeah, it's Camp Nathaniel. Um, it's at Camp Nathaniel KY. Gotcha. And we'll have all of those in the show in the notes, show notes um, when uh, when we publish this. So, um, well, Hannah and James, we love you both. Proud of you and excited about what God's doing in your marriage, in your ministry. And um, it's it's, uh, it's always good to always good to be with you. Yes. Thanks yeah. for sitting down and sharing with us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. So as we close, uh, remember, if this is a uh, if this is a podcast that brings you encouragement, please share it with other people. Uh, leave us a review. Uh, and remember that two are better than one. And a, and a cord, cord of three strands is not easily broken. <laughs>